I don't wear shoes. Uh, and really, the only reason, um, you, when I started playing drums at 13, 14, and I was living in, obviously living at home with my parents and stuff, so we never wore shoes in the house. So I would just go downstairs and, and play drums without my shoes. I didn't think anything of it, you know. Um, and then I had a gig. It's like, oh, I said, oh, great, I have, a, I have a gig, I have a gig, I have a gig. So, you know, we get the drums and, and you go to play. And I had my shoes on because I needed my shoes to get to the gig. So I had my shoes on. It's like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Let's take my shoes off. And that was it. <laughs> I never wore my shoes again. You're listening to Conversations with Musicians with Leia Roseman. Today's episode features the fantastic drummer Mike Isudri, who's a busy performer and composer in Ottawa, Canada, playing with many projects in the funk, jazz, and improvised music scene. He's in the funk group Gefilta with a previous guest of the series, Josh So-Called Dolgan, and in the Together Ensemble with his partner Megan Jerome. Today also marks the release of my bonus catch-up episode with Megan, in which she shares how she and Mike fell in love, as well as her new album, and great advice about an important aspect of the music business as an independent artist. Her episodes are linked in the description. This episode with Mike was unique in that he was sitting at his drum set during the entire episode, and we talked in detail about the history of the drum set and evolution of different styles of drumming. Mike demonstrated lots of intricate grooves and finished the episode with a cool little solo. He also shared stories from his childhood and talked about how in his youth he built his drums and an intricate treehouse in a park. This series is available as a video, a podcast, and the full transcript to this interview is also linked in the description. You're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks. Um, I'm so delighted to have such an amazing drummer to talk about the drum set. So I thought before we got into your career and your life, if we could talk about this amazing collection of instruments, if you want to play and talk about different styles. Okay. So a lot of people, well, maybe most people realize that rock drumming came out of jazz. Sure. And yeah. that the jazz kit evolved, I mean, drum set kit evolved out of jazz music and, and actually swing was the dance form mm-hmm. um, before bebop which might people might associate with jazz now but the way the um the main pulse was kept changed over time right through that evolution in terms of timekeeping which instruments were used you know it's hard to know what 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 some of the older drummers played because there were not great recordings of them um Mm -hmm. what did the drummers actually do before uh kenny clark was sort of the main proponent of uh of of, of, pl- of playing, bringing the the ride uh, cymbal beat into the into the main mm-hmm. lexicon of jazz drumming um, in the I guess nineteen thirties somewhere around there, and he was like, "What are you mm-hmm. doing?" Everybody was like, "What are you doing? That's ridiculous! Nobody plays like that." Now everybody plays like that. <laughs> so um, it's hard to know what was there before. However, it's interesting going back further to to how the dr- drum set came to be the gen- the the very first genesis of that was the bass drum and the snare drum that was the 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 very beginning of a drum set and that sort of happened in the late 1800s uh b- 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 before the turn of the century and and it was uh and this still happens in New Orleans today it, it, it's it, uh, the the uh, there were parade, like second line bands, funeral bands and stuff like that. So mm. 
there's a snare drummer, uh, and there's a bass drummer. So and they would they would play together. You know, so, so, so there'd be two people playing the drums, and sometimes there'd be lots of other auxiliary percussion as well, like cowbells and things like that. Tambourines, lots of tambourines, and so it 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 got to be that that's the way it was like in, at that time. And then when those groups started to play for entertainment in in places, uh, two drummers took up a lot of room, and it and it and it costs it's two people that you're paying. So what happened is they they came up with the idea if we can make some kind of pedal to, to play the bass drum. So you have, here I can show you. So this enabled the snare drummer. The snare drummer ended up getting the gig because he had the most chops and skills on the snare drum. The bass drummer was, you know, it's not nothing, but it's, it's, it's not as much as the, as the snare drum. So something along these lines was made so that the, the, you could play the bass drum with your foot and then play the snare drum. And then that is the the beginning of the drum set. Make sense? And uh, you know, yeah. And the research I was doing it was interesting that the very first bands they were actually one guy was hitting, so he had to play the snare one handed, and then he would reach down to a much okay, larger yeah, bass drum right. before they invented so the foot pedal. Yeah, and I think that I think so he's pretty hampered. Yes, exactly. So so then, uh, and I think the first. I think I'm not. Maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think the first patent for a for a bass drum pedal was by Ludwig. Fully in a in a full capacity. Um, yeah. And then all the other stuff the came along later. Symbols were an, 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 a later addition, um, and and they were usually like if you um, like early early Duke Ellington or early Count Basie or Chick Webb, those people, they didn't necessarily, they didn't have ride symbols, but they had little Chinese symbols as, as more effects type of thing. So they had done everything on the snare drum and the bass drum. Maybe they had a, a little thing, it used to be, it, it was called a low boy. So, and it was, it was like a hi-hat like this that you operated with your foot, but the symbols were on the floor. So you didn't hit it with a stick. And then eventually it came up like this. So, I was just in terms of the hi hat. I find it interesting because you were mentioning it. How many different ways it can be played? Maybe you can show some of those. The hi hat is. I. I mean, I. I really like the hi hat, like because you can. You you can play it like this. That's how you end up starting off playing the hi hat like that. Um, and you can play it like this as well with your foot. With your foot, you can also do these nice splashes. I don't think a lot of people, jazz people didn't do that. So like if I'm playing, when I'm playing that swing rhythm like this, you can hear the two and the four like this. So, but other things I can do with that is...
I, I'm, I'm pretty good with my left foot doing things with it. So what I generally, uh, but I do like the hi-hat sound when it's closed. So you have this other little hi-hat here, and then you sometimes we'll have a bigger one over here. But it's just two little closed cymbals. Okay, maybe you can see it on the big screen, but just like this. So I get, I get more or less that sound of a closed hi-hat, but it also leaves this foot available to do other things. So if I'm, so if I'm playing a beat, say, um, I, it's not on the ride cymbal, which can be a little clangy. If I still want a nice tighter sound, I can use this extra hi-hat that I have and then use my left foot to do those types of things and then have a real, a real conversation with all of those things. That's something that I like to do a lot with the hi-hat. Mm. And then... I was looking up the Zildjian. Yeah, yeah Zildjian, yeah. The Zildjian family, because um, I knew they made the symbols, and I yep. was curious about it. So I think it's considered the oldest um, continuously running company in the or one yep. of the oldest in the world. It is because it's yeah. as of this recording, it's three hundred ninety nine years old. Oh, it, I thought it's even more older <laughs> than that. I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was over four hundred. I thought I thought they had actually celebrated their four hundredth. Sixteen twenty three is the. Oh, is that right? Okay, I, well I then, thought, I, then I'm maybe wrong the, then. The, they're probably about to celebrate it, right? right? We're coming up to 2023. That's so a long time. It's interesting because privately held, still yeah. privately held, family held. Yeah. Yeah. So th when they came to um, the U.S., they moved the company from Turkey. I understand that they they reached out to Gene Krupa to see what do you want, you know? Right. And that he helped develop some of the symbols. But then I I also uh, heard that when Ringo Starr played on the L. Um, at Sullivan Show with the Beatles, because people saw that logo, they saw the Zildjian. Okay. There was such a ma uh, a rush to order, they had to build another manufacturing plant. Right. Okay. They couldn't sure. make enough symbols. You know, and it was the same with uh, the, he used Ludwig drums, and it was the same thing with Ludwig yeah. drums. They had like, well, they can't. They, everybody wanted to play drums, and it's like, okay, well, let's let's get to work on these drums here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think Ringo and a lot of rock drummers use two bass drums. Is that right? Not Ringo. He never did. Like, uh, but uh, not Ringo. Okay. Yeah, some of the some of their some of their early jazz drummers sort of experimented with that. I don't really know mm -hmm. if it's a if it's a if it's a thing that was used well. <laughs> it it looks pretty great, you know. Like it's a pretty wow two bass drums. It looks it's a pretty nice incredible looking thing like uh, two bass drums uh, you know personally like I, I've never really for the type of music that I like to, to play I've never really mm -hmm. understood the, the, the need for two bass drums there's a there's a whole you know uh, genre of speed metal drummers and thrash drummers you know and they use two bass drums and they you know they play them very 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 fast, <laughs> very fast. 
and that's the, that's that music. That is that's the way that that goes. And that's not my music, but it's that's that is a total thing. And there and they've spent a lot of time getting that quick. I tried one time uh, for maybe a few months, like a long time ago, to 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 to, to do that. I had an idea for a, a sort of a, a jazz speed metal idea. But it kind of hinged on me being able to play speed metal, and I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't get the the bass drums that that fast as as I had in my mind. It's like, oh, th that'll be will be really neat. Anyway, didn't happen. Still there in my mind, but uh, anyways, yeah, so maybe one day. The tom toms, they're tunable, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, so, how many tom toms do you usually use in your kit? I use. This floor, it's called a rack tom, they call it a rack tom, or a tenor tom sometimes they call it. Uh, and then on, this is a floor tom. But, that's two toms, that's, this is sort of, this is kind of a minimum, second to last minimum, and then from here, like, you, I'm sure you've seen pictures, but there are like, <laughs> this drum kits with bajillions of tom-toms, you know, lots of floor toms, like, Racks and racks and racks and racks and racks of tom-toms. Very small ones to very large ones, you know. Gong drums, you know. It came from China, right? The the idea I of the, the, the sonority of a tom-tom came from, yes, you're right. There were these little drums. They were looked kind of like, uh, almost like, a little like koto drums. And they were like, they, they were, mm -hmm. you know, about this big sort of, and they were, and they were, had this kind of bowed out shell and they had, uh, it might have been uh, a snake skin or something like that on, on, on the top and they were tacked into the side. And again, those were um, more, more of a novelty type of uh, thing that was added on to, to the snare and the bass. Like the Chinese symbols, you know, it's interesting that that's a theme. But uh, the... And then they evolved from there to the more to more of what a snare drum, how a snare drum worked and how a, a bass drum worked, like with the with the tuning systems and stuff like that. Those those those. Uh, I don't think that those those Chinese or uh, Japanese drums were tunable. I don't think they were. Mm -hmm. um, whereas these ones, the modern tom toms, are tunable. Going back for for quite a ways now, but 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 they've been tunable. So, how often do you adjust the tension on them, or do you have to? I adjust them. It, you know, it depends. It depends on on the the music that I'm playing. Uh, like, uh, for, for example, when I play with Megan, I, I'll I'll generally tune the tune them lower. Uh, all all the drums will be tuned lower. Um, just to get, just to get more of a because it's not as that drums that's what I play in that isn't as busy or is not necessarily as detailed sometimes as some of the other drum, uh, other things that I play. Mm -hmm. So the lower tuning helps helps the sound of the, the sound of the band helps support the whole thing. And um, if I'm playing something that's a bit more detailed, where I'm doing a, more things, I'll have them tuned up a little higher, so that so that will come out a little easier. A lot of people listening are listening to the podcast version and they're not seeing anything. Okay. 
And just the sound of the, if you could isolate the sound of those two tom-toms you have. Okay. And just do a little solo with those, just so we can hear that beautiful sound. Okay. okay, well here's the floor tom. Here's the tenor tom. Thank you. I'm curious about if you refer to um, your brushes as fly swatters and if you knew the history of that. Um, so these are the brushes here. This and they're retractable. So that you can, there's a few reasons for that. Like you can, it, for so that they don't get wrecked. You pull them in like this. Mm -hmm. So they're a little safer than and then me. And you can have them a little tighter like that, or you can have them a bit looser like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, fly swatters, yes, I guess you could say that. People refer to this as, okay, uh, just beat the eggs on the snare drum. I remember the first time I heard that sound live and it was just so magical. I just yeah. loved it. So I might be able to teach you something, Mike. They were, they're called fly swatters because that's what they were originally uh, developed as because it was before plastic. And drummers were looking for something quieter because the instruments they were playing with at that time were acoustic. Okay, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It, that and make sense. That's, they were fly swatters. Yeah. And I, Bob Moses. And he used to play with branches. He used to mm -hmm. find branches outside of his gig and just play with branches. Uh, I like to use okay. these things. These things, they're, they're actually cajon. They call them cajon sticks. So they're a little softer, but they're also a little beefier too. And then I guess the, the last thing, that, the main thing that a lot of drummers will use is, is mallets, like this. So this gives you a bit, it's more, um, it's more of a classical type of thing, so you have orchestral type of uh, possibility in, in, in playing. So you, you'll play that in ballads, uh, malas, I like to do that. In, in, but also some other things too, like if you're maybe a groove or something like.
lots of different possibilities that you can. Uh, you know, drums are it, it, drums are very interesting in the sense that somebody asked me once. I have this, I have these students. He's a drummer, uh, and he, he was a, he was an ensemble coach. And he says, I, I this drummer, and he, he keeps saying, "No, I don't have to learn any of that. I don't have to learn any harmony or melody. I don't have to learn any of that stuff. I'm a drummer." It's like, and then and then and then and he says, "What what should I say to him? Because you know all that stuff." So what I said is this, it's like, okay, you kind of owe it to all the people you play with because it, 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 every instrument, there's three things, right? So there's rhythm, there's harmony, and there's melody, right? You play violin, so you have melody, for sure, and, and rhythm, for sure. You know all those things, and you know the harmony. The ones that you play explicitly are melody and rhythm, for sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Piano, you got it all, right? You have the rhythm, you have the you mm -hmm. have the melody, you have the harmony explicitly happening. Same with guitar. S or so if you're playing clarinet, for sure it's a melody explicitly, rhythm explicitly. What about the drums? I only have one. There's only one. So you're 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 only doing a third <laughs> of what everybody else is doing. You should know something. You should know a little more. Everybody else knows more than than the drummer does in a way. So it behooves you for sure to know that stuff. And it 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 definitely helps you play in 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 things. If you know if you if you understand form and you understand a song length and you do understand melody and how harmony is working. You, 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 you'll definitely understand drums better and you'll be able to participate in the music better. So like if you listen to anything with drums in it, the, the drums could be just playing anything regardless of the music. If it's just you're playing in 4-4, four, four, but the, the drums should reflect what's, what's happening or certainly not get in the way. And, you, and you, you should, it, it, the drums are supposed to support and help the music along um, and you can't know that or you can but it's, it's certainly helpful if you know the song and you know the harmony and how it all works and the form of the tune to, to, to do that. You know that Jesse Stewart was a guest of the series um, uh, earlier and last season, and he started as a jazz drummer, but now does different things. Mm -hmm. But I asked him if jazz drummers need to know all the chord changes, and he said, "Well, you can get away with it, but you really want to." <laughs> That's yeah. basically the same answer. And you can tell. Yeah. I can tell. I can tell when the when the when the drummer. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't know that too. I was wondering, Mike, when you've been teaching, do you find sometimes students they uh, get lost or like the count, like if they're doing a thirty-six bar, they don't know which bar they're on, and do you have like tips for that? Know the melody of the tune. Okay. <laughs> know the melody yeah. of the tune. You can count. You can count. And, I, and, I, and I'll be the first to admit I'm a terrible counter. I'm a terrible counter. I never, I never, I should have done this probably more as when I was coming up is, is, is just to do more counting. Yeah. But I don't know. I just do my own thing, experimenting and improvising and all that kind of stuff. So counting. Oh, yeah, I kind of know. I kind of know. And it's like, oh, but it would be, uh, you don't have to, so, so you don't have to, but you should, 
I'm a better counter now. But if you know the melody, that takes care of it for you. Like in a jazz perspective, it's like, okay, well, you've got. Yeah. If you have a, a 32, 36 bar tune, say all the things you are at the 36 bar tune. So I, and I, like there are, there are sort of like three, four melodies that happen. In this. So there's an eight bar section, an eight bar section, another eight bar section, and then a 12 bar section, which is kind of like the first, first section. So if I know that melody, I'm not going to get lost in that tune. Even if, even if I'm playing, I can, I can actually start to go quite out on that plane because I know the melody. There's another, there's another one called Alone Together, and that's a tune. Um, it's it's A-A-B-A, -A -A, or A-A-B-C, where the A's are 14 bars, and then the B section is 8, and the C section is 8. So 14 is an odd number in terms of, in terms of feeling things. Um, mm -hmm. But if you know the melody, no problem. You know, it's interesting because you're talking about counting and everything. One thing about the, one thing difference about the drums, say for example, and lots of other instruments, is that we're playing all the time. You yeah. know, like like is there is there ever like a 32 bar rest? What I'm doing or a 33 and a half bar rest? No. <laughs> if I'm playing, I'm playing. Yeah. You, you would come by that many times, like seven bars rest here, you play for three bars, and then you, there's 17 bars of rest, or something like that. It's like, yeah, you got to count all that. But if it was me, I'm playing through all of that stuff. <laughs> well, there's the violins, okay, so yeah. they're, they're, they're there, and then, and then you know, it, it's, 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 a different, it's a different thing, playing, playing the drums in that regard. I just did a, did a session this weekend for an album, and I'm playing all the time. The, the horn players will play the head, somebody will do a solo, and then they'll, they'll, they'll stop for a few minutes until, until, until they come back in again. But I'm playing all the time. <laughs> so it, it's like, yeah, I don't have to count because, yeah, I'm playing all the time. You know, I, like the notes are going by. It, 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 so it's, it's a little different that way for drums. Could we talk about Latin grooves? What do you want to know about Latin grooves? I don't know. I'll, 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 I would say I'm okay at Latin grooves. But they're, they're, uh, there's, there's a few common ones, like bossa novas are, are like a, a basic bossa nova. This is this. There are variations of variations of that. I, if I'm playing a fast bossa nova, the, the, there's a lot of bass drum that happens in there, so I like to take some of those out. Mm -hmm. So and this to this one, two, two, one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. There too. Uh, one of the other things that's a more Brazilian type of groove. 
So there is a few uh, different claves, um, and they're usually described as, as three two claves or two three claves. So, uh, mm -hmm. a so say a three two sone clave would be would be this one two one two three four. And the three and the two come from the, th there's three notes in the first bar and two notes in the second bar. So it's like one, two, and three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, and three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, oh, sorry, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two. And that's the, there is a two, three song clave, which is just the opposite. So one, two, three, four, one, two, and three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, and three, four. And then there is a, a rumba clave, which is, it's, it's, there's a two, three rumba clave and a three, two rumba clave. So they're very similar. It's just the, uh, the third note of the three is, and is pushed again to the end of four. So. So it is one, two, three, four, one, two, and three, four, and one, two, three, four, one, two, and three, four, and one, two, three, four, one, two, and three, four, and one, two, three, four. And then the other one. One, two, three, four, one, two, and three, four, and one, two, three, four, one, two, and three, four, and one. Like that. A lot of times there's gonna be a percussionist as well as there'll be drums and a percussionist. Uh, now, admittedly, I don't play a lot of Latin music, a lot of straight-ahead Latin music, but I like to play some of those grooves so mm -hmm. sometimes. So what I end up doing, and I actually do find this quite helpful in playing those grooves, is I put the, I play the clave with my left foot. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So what I'll do is I'll play a groove with that clave going and I'll try and make it so that you can hear that maybe a little bit better as I go. Uh. around that clave. So I, I, I've been finding it easier to improvise around that clave by learning to play to play that clave there and play around with it.
so much amazing independence happening. Uh, it's it's so, so inspiring. I'm curious um, when I've I've often heard like really great jazz uh, drum solos because you know you guys are keeping this groove. And I feel like it's almost to help all the other musicians keep track of where they are. But then often in the solo, I, I sometimes lose the one, like where, because yep. it gets displaced. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. But you can lose yourself, too. It's easy to lose yourself sometimes. So you can start a yeah. cycle of things. It's like, oh I, oh, I lost the one here somewhere. So I, I, sometimes that happens to me. And sometimes yeah. you have to be careful, because if you're, particularly if you're, playing, if you're playing with a band, and the band has stopped playing, and you're soloing and then you you want to do your stuff but but you have to make sure that everybody else knows where you are if you're the saxophone player you're trying to count through this drum solo that's happening and you keep just doing all kinds of stuff you know like drummers can get really out there <laughs> and there's a lot that's available then yeah. there's a lot that you can uh get lost on for sure mm -hmm. if, you, if you start if you start like you know mixing meters, if you're playing in swing, say like you can you're playing, you'll you'll in a triplet type of thing. You can you can start off playing some triplets or some swing eighth notes and stuff, but then you know you might switch into some sixteenth notes, like straight sixteenth notes into that pulse, and then mix them around. You know, mix around the triplets and the sixteenth notes, and then it starts. Ooh, it starts to get. It can get really swimmy. Yeah, as to as to where the time is the drummer might know exactly where mm -hmm. it is but if, if if it starts to get weird with everybody else it's like okay if you start playing polyrhythmically orchestrating polyrhythmically across certain things that imply a different pulse uh it, it, if you if you get sidetracked by that pulse then you're toast <laughs> and you won't know where then you won't know where the one is particularly if you're trying to follow along so, so the so, mm -hmm. I, I prefer this. I I, I generally prefer this, um, is when somebody plays over my solo. So if I'm taking a drum solo, I prefer it if if somebody is playing. Mm -hmm. Because uh, this is I and I thought about just just the other day uh, why I like this, uh, because if you're a, if you're if you're a horn player. You get, and you're taking a solo, you get a chance to stop. You can stop. Just take, take a bar, it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then come back in. Collect yourself and stuff like that. If you're, if you're mm -hmm. playing a drum solo by yourself in the middle of a song, you stop for a bar, it's like, what happened? What, the song is, is it over? Is the song done? You just, you just yeah. can't, you know. So if somebody is playing, see, just the bass player is playing a groove with me, yeah. I'll ask him, please keep playing. So it affords me that possibility that I can stop as well. Plus, I get to play on the mm. tune. I get to play on the song rather than just play drums. Do you, do you, do you know what I mean? Everybody else is yeah. playing. I know. Gets, gets the luxury of playing. Oh, I get, I get to play with everybody. And then, and then I get to play with nobody. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> I want to play with somebody. That's super interesting. Yeah. You mentioned polyrhythm, so I imagine you play two against three a lot and probably three against four. Mm -hmm. Are there other cross rhythms that, that you I use, use a lot. habitually? Polyrhythms. Well, I would not straight up in it. I will use groupings, for example. I'll, I'll use um, uh, sort of like a five note 
grouping in four four like in sixteenth notes or in triplets. So meaning that if like my favorite one is is to do so it's like uh, there's five notes so and there's two of them so so that's five. So that's right, left, right, right, bass. So then, and then I would do the other way. So starting with the left. So the, so there's two five note patterns. Right. So then, if I think about that, this is four four, and as sixteen notes. So, you, I'm, it's a polyrhythm, but it's a it, it's a grouping polyrhythm. Mm. So that's that's in 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 sixteenth notes. So, but I could do it in triplet two, triplet two, triplet. nice different different things and those are the types of things that I end up doing a lot there's a and uh, there's a seven one that I was like uh, polyrhythm so that would have been like a seven against four type of idea mm -hmm. uh, or the other one was five and three or five and four type of polyrhythms but three and two yeah all the time all the time all the time all the time yeah and different and definitely different groupings and phrases um, threes like groups of say you have a uh, if you have like a, a four bar phrase so you have 16 and assuming four four so you have 16 beats there's a number of ways that you can subdivide those beats so you have a, a quite a long polyrhythm so your or grouping so I would uh, three 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 and two and two at the end mm -hmm. to make to make the thing so you it's it's sort of polyrhythmic it's a long polyrhythm in a way because the three bars of four, you'd have four bars of three, or four groups of three in that longer phrase. A classic example of this would be, would be sort of like a second line beat. And this would be more like a in, in 16th note groupings in one bar. It'd be something like this. 
or maybe the quarter notes. Mm -hmm. Make sense? That's poly. That's how I how I do polyrhythms. There and there. Are, uh, there are people who do a lot of this, uh, I, and I, I don't. There's somebody I knew who has a book. Um, his name is Peter Magadini, uh, and he has he has a a, a well-regarded book on polyrhythms. I don't know the book. Hi, just a quick break from the episode. I'm an independent podcaster who does all the many jobs required to produce the series. And there are a lot of costs I bear as well. Please consider either buying me a virtual coffee as a tip or becoming a monthly supporter starting at $3 Canadian, which is close to $2 US or 2 euros, and getting access to unique perks. The link is in the description. Now back to the episode. Now, you wrote a book, you wrote a, a drum manual. Like a pedagogy book? Well, it's a book of beats, basically. There's lots of beats in there, and then there are okay. some uh, other other things in there, and some ideas about how you can make your own beats and different counters and stuff that you can play in your own beats. It's it's a real good. Uh, I think it's good for getting some tools together to 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 play anything that you want to play. It, it, it and it's. It builds your tools for um, improvisation in in that context. I think <clears throat> that's what I think it's good mm -hmm. for. What um, what motivated you to, to write it? Must have taken well, a long you know, time. particularly for beginning drum students, I would have uh, you know, I'd be I'd be writing out you know, basically drum beats. I'd be writing them out many times. I said, okay, well, maybe it'd be good if mm -hmm. I had them in a in a, a, a way that I can. Okay, well, I've got a bunch of them, so I can. Just give them to I got thinking about, oh, well, then oh, all, all these beats, all these beats. And then there's this idea, and then there's this idea. So, okay, so it just sort of went in like that. So there isn't a, there isn't a lot of descriptions or anything. It's just lots of lots of beats and things, different things that you can do with those beats. It can be for anyone. It, it, it can be for anyone. But I, I, one thing I do, I, I am definitely starting to realize now is is the importance of you know and and uh, as a classical violinist what you what you've learned is repertoire mm -hmm. right now for drums it's 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 a funny thing because it's what's the drum repertoire what is that what's the drum set repertoire 
like how many songs could I, probably zero, that I could just, okay, I know the drums for that song. Mm, that would be probably zero, <laughs> that I would know. I can play many, 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 many tunes, but do I know any of them off by heart, like uh, to, to play on the drums? The answer would be probably no. There's good sections that I know, like uh, maybe Tom Sawyer by Rush, or uh, what are some other ones that I might know? But not all of them, parts of them, not all of them. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be just me, the way that I've approached the drums in, in, in my life. I like, to, I like to improvise and I like to do those types of mm -hmm. things. It, it, I, can, I can hear them, I can transcribe all those things too. But do I know them off by heart? I, I would have to say no. Almost none. I know bits of stuff. If I was to ask you, how many how many tunes would you know off the top of, that you that you memorized? Not, not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> not okay. A lot. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I'm not because I'm not a soloist, right? Okay. Oh, okay. So for soloists, that's their priority. Okay. Yeah. And so you're a, probably a phenomenal reader. You, you're you're probably a fantastic yeah. reader. I'm a terrible reader <laughs> I get so into my own things and it's like oh no I what was that thing that I just did I want to do that again I was like oh no oh that's bad <laughs> so so yeah, yeah it's not that I can't read it's not my strong point for sure I was thinking about that because when you're doing all your demos my default is to try to picture it right okay so I'm trying to write out in my head, which is hard to do, <laughs> but okay. that's just the way my brain operates, which is very restrictive. I was another aspect of drum playing, which I find interesting, is the history of um, drummers being foley artists, and okay. um, like for radio, for silent movies. Apparently, like when the talkies were developed, thousands and thousands of drummers were put out okay. of work because it was a big part of what they did was do all these sound effects. Okay. And you'd mentioned the Ludwig. Um, company earlier and one thing I ran into with my research is they had all these different noisemakers mm -hmm. for this purpose and one of them was the noise the nose blowing sound <laughs> like when someone has to blow their nose okay. all right okay I don't know that one but certainly an orchestra yeah like my percussion colleagues often have to make like you know sounds sound effects but have you run into that in your career like in the studio or no not really not me, not me. Okay. I, I, it, it's, it's a thing yeah. for sure, and, and you're right. Percussionists do that yeah. a lot because I think percussionists generally are, are are dealing with really intangible types of sound. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's like yeah, I don't know, like uh, like a chord on a piano sounds great. A beautiful note on the violin sounds great. I'm just hitting a piece of metal with a piece of wood. Like, really? How, does that sound great? Like how, it's, it's a really, but when they do sound good, it sounds really nice. I don't know why, you know, like drums, like, is this, a, is this a, an empirically nice sound? I don't know. I don't know, like it, it, it's, it's, it's a very intangible thing, how, what the appeal of drums is, it, it, it's you certainly know that they're not there, but when they're wrong, boy, oh boy, do you ever know as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, back to the to the foley to the foley. If you're hitting a cymbal and you're trying to find like all the different sounds that you can make from a cymbal. 
mm-hmm. or with a you know with with a bow or something like that. You, there's 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 different symbol sounds that you can make, and out of toms and stuff. So that's the type of Foley sound. So drummers are good at finding these sounds. They'll, they'll, they'll hit anything and they'll say, oh, yeah. that's a good sound. I could use that for something. Have you done hand, hand per... Yeah. Uh, hand percussion, not so much. Not so much. That's a whole thing. It's a whole other... You, you start yeah. to sort of... The more you get into those things, it's like, oh, you just, you just do this. But it, it, when you dig into it more, it's like, oh, there's a real... There's a real thing to this. People ask me, uh, can you play tambourine on this track? Just put some tambourine on the... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, people who play tambourine well, it sounds great. And I'm not one of those people. It, 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 I, you know, you, you try and... Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And you think it's going to be really easy, but it isn't. It isn't to make it, to make it sound really good. And I and I sort of I like to stay away from that because it's like ah, uh, I feel like I'm I'm sort of disrespecting that that tradition by doing that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, and and the uh, listeners might be interested to know I'm going to be having a couple of different hand percussionists soon on the okay. series, different styles. Great, great. Now I I noticed you, when you play, uh, you you don't wear shoes. Yes. For the the pedals, you like the feeling. Uh, yes. Is that common? Is that just one of your things? In, I don't think it's... Yeah, no, I think a lot of people wear shoes. I don't wear shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, the only reason... Um, you, when I started playing drums at 13, 14, and I was living in, obviously living at home with my parents and stuff, so we never wore shoes in the house. So I would just go downstairs <laughs> and, and play yeah. drums without my shoes. I didn't think anything of it, you know? Um, and then I had a gig. It's like, oh, I said, oh, great, I have, a, I have a gig, I have a gig, I have a gig. So, you know, we get the drums and, and you go to play and I had my shoes on because I needed my shoes to get to the gig. So I had my shoes on, it's like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Let's take my shoes off. Mm-hmm. And that was it. <laughs> I never wore my shoes again, like for, for, for a gig. Uh, some t- were your parents support? Were my parents supportive? Um, Yes, yes. You know, I mean, really, if you have you have a kid who's playing drums in your house all the time, that's supportive enough. That's fantastic <laughs> because that, yeah. that's a that's a major thing. Drums are loud all the time and repetitive. The only time my mom said to me, I was practicing a lot. Elvin Jones does this thing like this. Just the one time, and it's the only time she was. Like, do you think you could do just something else, <laughs> just 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 for a little bit? It's like okay, fair enough. But that was it. Other, otherwise, the fact that they would let me play when I wanted to to play drums and in the house. That's amazing. That's that's a lot of support. 
because you know there'd be some some parents would you know just it's out of the question for you to play drums like no we don't, we don't want that kind of volume in 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 the house or and 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 additionally there's lots of situations where it just can't happen like in row houses and things like that and i've been lucky enough and still lucky enough to to have a single house so the, it, it, having earth between you and the other houses is a big deal it really cuts down on the sound a lot so i'm lucky i was wondering if you started with rock drumming as a kid yep yep for sure acdc mm -hmm. yep all the stuff would have been in the early 80s so early late mid late 80s but i was into i was really into, into 60s music even when I started playing, when I started playing drums, so into Jimi Hendrix, I was into Pink Floyd, and uh, I liked Rush and Le uh, Led Zeppelin and, and those big bands. Mm -hmm. Yes, I liked as well. Yes, was uh, I liked a lot of those bands for sure, and I listened to them all the time. Uh, the first gigs I played were blues gigs, actually. I should I should uh, 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 mm -hmm. shuffles and stuff. Like, you know, more, more rock shuffles. Yeah. fun those were those and and those actually were really uh helpful uh in, in a jazz sense because you i'm actually i am actually playing that triplet type of field <clears throat> and i'm also getting really used to hearing form as well at that time i wasn't studying piano or any any of that stuff but i was playing a lot of uh blues music so it had a certain form to it a certain pattern four bars four bars four bars mm -hmm. Certain breaks would happen at certain times. It's like okay, and I started to really get that into my ears. So, all of that was really helpful in in knowing where you are in a, in a tune, uh, in, in particularly in a blues thing at, at the time, and then later on in jazz to hear, to hear progressions, two five ones, cycle progressions, and hear those things as you're playing. Okay, and understand. Okay, here's one. That's the that's the sound of the one chord. All right, here we are again. Here we are. Here's the end of here. Here we are again, and this is the, the the last two bars of the of this section. And we'll go back to the top. So those were all really really helpful things in in feeling comfortable hearing chords, hearing hearing harmony that way, knowing where the tonic chord is, the one and the five, particularly those types of things mm -hmm. early on. What do you think, like nowadays they have these electronic drum pads mm -hmm. that people might get for their kids yeah. so that they don't really make any noise. What do you think about people starting on that, that sort of kit? I always think that, uh, that, 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 that they're a substitute. I always think that it's a substitute for drums, mm -hmm. really, in the end. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's like if, if I happen to, I hope it never happens, but a situation where I can't play drums in the house and I, and I need something to practice and play, yes, I, I, could, I could deal with it. But at the, same, at the same time, I do know what this feels like, a, a real, uh, an actual acoustic drum set, how it feels, how, how infinite it is and, and how dynamic it is. Um, so I can, I can deal with... I can fill in the blanks, as it were, with with an electronic kit if mm -hmm. I'm playing it. 
And it would have to be a really, there's always a delay. There's a, there's a, a slight, slight, slight delay for when you hit the pad and when this electronic, electric sound comes back to you. Always, even, mm -hmm. even the best ones, there's a delay. Um, so there's, that's, that's the danger because it, it's, it, it's, it's like if you're playing a violin and it sounds like a half a second later than you actually play it. Yeah. How do you how do you how do you negotiate that? You might be able to do it now, but you certainly can't learn the violin that way. Do, do, yeah. do, do you know what, do you know what I'm saying? So it, it it's yeah. Starting on them is difficult, I'd say. Yeah. Having an acoustic drum set because the other thing is that they're you know. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this on electronic drums. Can't be done. Yeah. You had talked about second line, and I know from um, my conversation with Megan that you guys have visited New yes. Orleans a lot, and I know you've played a lot of that that music. Yep. So that tradition of of marching bands also in different contexts in the American culture. Mm -hmm. We don't have that in Canada. No. You know, like there aren't school marching bands really. No. So I think a lot of kids might lose out on the chance to try drums. Uh yeah. Because of that. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's in New Orleans definitely for sure, but even when you go to any of those major major universities in the US, there's a a huge yeah. marching band. There is some kind of mm -hmm. cheerleading band. You can get a scholarship to play snare yeah. drum, you know, in in, in 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 one of those bands. Seems unheard of, but you know, mm -hmm. yeah, you can. But uh, New Orleans is a, it's, it's a fantastic tradition. It's like it's. Have you ever been to New Orleans? I have not. It's it's wow, something else. It's something else. It's not like any city I've, I've ever ever been to. Like it's there's just music all over the place. It's it's, uh, it's it's just so rich. It's so rich in 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 music and heritage and and food and it's wild. It's great. I totally recommend it. I totally. Re if you only go to yeah. see one thing in New Orleans, go to a second line on on Sunday from about it's from about noon to four. Go to that. It's fantastic. It's 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 one of the it's like wow you've, you've never seen anything like that in in North America for sure uh, and no no that's to say I I mean I had a, I had run a, a marching band for for a while and it was called the Mashed Potato Mashers and this was sort of back in 2010 to, till 2012 or so mm -hmm. and and it was inspired by by that music, by that, and other, and it, it, when I started just, you know, investigating this, this marching music and stuff, it's like, oh, there's, there's, there's traditions of this all over the world. Uh, in, in, in Eastern Europe, there's, there's, there's a really big uh, uh, Serbian brass bands, and there's a whole festival called the Gucha Festival, and it's, uh, it's brass bands, and they play, a certain a certain style of, of of brass band it's it's 
it's incredible. It's un, it's it's amazing. So I took all some of that. I took some klezmer type of music that I really enjoy the 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 the, uh, the sound of that music and also and also there's there's a bit of uh, mobility in that as as well. Some New Orleans stuff. There's lots of mobility and just and just and just a bunch of other things. And uh, and that was really fun. That was a really really f fun thing to do. And and just finding out all kinds of like in India, there's a there's a big tradition of it as well. Uh, th and you you start to find all there's all kinds of traditions of that. There's a, there's one in Mexico. Uh, it's a banda music. And this was so interesting. To, so, and there was tubas in in this music. I said, well, "Where did this come from? Where did where did where did tubas in Mexico come from in the 1850s? Really? Okay. All right. So, apparently, there was a a German migration in the mid 1800s from Germany to Mexico. Some large group, but they brought instruments." And they, you know, and then you know how that works. So, like, people come to different countries and they, they, they start exchanging their heritage and their cultures and stuff. So, Germans had would have a polka type of thing, and Mexico would have a their own thing. And then they all came to come together, and then you got this thing that happened, you know. So that there's tubas and brass bands in Mexico. With their own thing entirely, it's like, oh wow, that's incredible how how that how that happens. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I, I I love that music, and I and uh, it, it's it always has a special place for me. Um, I, I I love every time I hear that type of marching music or or Balkan music or or um, klezmer music. I I, I just I'm a closet clarinet player. I love to play the clarinet. Not that I'm very good okay. at it, but and those are the sounds that I really gravitate to, like mm -hmm. klezmer types of clarinet, those types of Eastern European sounds, odd times, things like that, and the way that they would play odd mm -hmm. time music. To me, those are the odd times that are the most resonant because they're 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 real in the sense that they're based on dances. They're based on it's not a it's not a an academic type of thing. So when you they were playing in seven or they're playing in eleven, it's 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 real. There's a dance. There's a whole thing around it. It's got a name and <laughs> the song has a title, and it's a it's about something that happened a thousand years ago. And there's a very specific dance that happens to it. And and it's in eleven. It's just that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. I somebody I knew or know from who is from that region of the world came to came to Canada and she and she had a hard time apparently playing in 4/4 because that's not the music that she knew she knew odd time things it's like oh no this is no it doesn't it doesn't feel right <laughs> you know, it's too even <laughs> you know i was just curious your your parents were immigrants to this country yes. and i was curious if either of their musical traditions was stuff you were aware of or heard growing up my dad played classical guitar, uh, mm -hmm. and and that Spanish guitar. Like he he liked Segovia and and, and John Williams and, and those people. Segovia in particular. Uh, so, and he would play, and he was he was pretty good. And but but there are there's a tonality of that type of music that is that is very Spanish influenced as well. 
uh, and particularly the, the stuff that he, he likes to play. Uh, and I think, and my dad was from Morocco, French and Jewish, from, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big story, but, but the, um, yes, I would hear him play guitar, and, and, and I would see him play guitar as well. Which I do also think is really important for kids to see people playing music. It's it, you you can listen to all kinds of music on the, on a stereo and stuff like that, but it is people playing it. Something that's a really important thing is to to up close to see people playing music. Oh, this is the drums, the guitar, and stuff like that, and singing as well, guitar and singing. Oh. This is it. This is where it actually comes from. So I had, and then no, they would have to figure out. Well, how does it get from there to the thing that I listen to in the box? You know, what is, what's that? Mm -hmm. What's how does it? How does that happen? So my dad wasn't necessarily involved in any of the music stuff that I was doing. Um, I would just hear him. I don't think he really liked me playing the drums, but anyway, I played the drums. So, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, and he didn't really play a lot of this type of music in the house either. Any kind of Jewish music or any kind of. North African music at all, but that's the music that I'm, I'm, or Jewish music for that matter. So, I, but I'm always gravitated to that music. Those are his roots. I never heard him play those things, but but somehow that's the music I'm really gravitated towards. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but it's just. I've never been there, <laughs> but but it's somehow mm -hmm. that is the music that I'm gravitated the most towards. Mm -hmm. So and I, I don't know how that. How I that was works. curious. Yeah, when I asked about hand percussion, because of that, that music is a lot of hand percussion. Mm -hmm. If you'd experimented with any of those. Uh, no, no, not so no. much. You know, I, I hear them and then I try to adapt things to the drum set. Oh, okay. from from those things a lot of times like uh, in, in particularly the, the the more traditional musics of, of, of or music of the of those regions there isn't a drum set mm -hmm. there's a lot of hand percussion so yeah if I'm trying to make something with those types of things I'll, I'll, I'll say oh, that's that's it there's a sound there's a vibe or there's a but there's something in here that I could put that I could add in here as, as a sound um, Could you show a little bit of that? How would you do that? Like, like some people do, like. tabla sound.
you can translate onto the drums. There has this pesky metal rim, so you whack your fingers quite a bit. And I'm getting a little older now, so that that kind of oh, I can't really do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, but yes, there's a wealth. But you are using your your hands. Yes, for this demonstration only. But yeah. Yeah, there's tons that you can do, and then you're gonna add the feet in. It sounds a lot like it uh, sounds a bit like frame drums. You can get that sound, um, or um, sometimes you can get a bit of a darbuki sound, you know. But definitely frame drums. There's a lot of a lot of that that happens. Mm -hmm. There's a big tradition of that in in North African music as well, like frame drums and. and uh, now got me interested, and in I'm gonna work on this a bit more. <laughs> so come up with, come up yeah. with some ideas for for some. Uh, some some of the groups I'm working in so it's cool I noticed on your YouTube on your YouTube channel you had um, a, a playlist of North African music that you okay like. yes there's there's a particular instruments that I really really enjoy like a, a, a Ngoni is one I, I love that instrument it's it's kind of like a it's it's uh, it's almost like a chora, but it's a little different. It's a little warmer than a chora, and uh, nays as well. Like, and then there's in in uh, in Morocco or Algeria, they, there's there are these large groups of people that have these big big castanets, and they're like, but there's this rhythm that they play, and I, I still don't actually know what that rhythm is. It it's sort of got an overall four pulse, but the subdivision of, of inside, I can't tell what it is. Is it is it fives? Is it is it, or is it quintuplets, or is it some kind of rhythm in septuplet, or a sextuplet? Or it's like, but it's just like, and then there's a singing that over top, and then and then a neigh, and it's this is really intoxicating kind of. What is that? What is that? It's so it's so amazing. It's something I mean, it's a it's a whole. There's a whole continent of of, of music there that is unknown you know <laughs> in, in so many ways and, and it's 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 and it's rich and deep and it's really worth exploring for sure for sure I always find some something amazing in, in any time I listen to, to that music for sure I was curious Mike if you were uh, willing to consider sharing your your father's immigrant story because it's pretty interesting sure um, my dad was born uh, in Morocco, uh, and he he was Jewish, born in Morocco in I guess it would be thirty seven, nineteen thirty seven. Uh, Jewish, born in Morocco. He spoke uh, Spanish as his mother tongue, and in the house, and they and and Hebrew as the, as their religion. Uh, and it was a French colony, so he would have gone to school in French. So he knew 
uh, he knew three languages early on. He was definitely exposed to those languages early on. Um, and then this, this, uh, and you know, and World War Two. I mean, Morocco was Morocco was was almost bombed. Or I think probably bombed a little bit by by Germany in, in World War Two, and he remembers that. Um, he remembered that for sure. And then his dad died fairly young, and and he had eight other brothers and sisters, uh, and and the mum. So they decided, okay, well, it's. It's kind of too hard here, so let's let's go to France. We we can move to France and uh, um, live there. So he they moved there, and he was about sixteen at the time. Uh, and then at the and that was fine. And he was going to school then. And then he want the the French government was um, Algeria was a was a French. I guess I don't know what you what you called them at the time, protectorate or or colony or something. I guess it was still a French colony, and uh, so there was an uprising in in Algeria uh, to to be in, independent, and France was trying to quash that uprising, and and so they were sending sending people to to, to fight, and and my dad was you know eligible to go and do that, but he he said I don't want to do that. That's let them have their country. <laughs> like he didn't, he didn't want to go and fight, fight for that. But he would have been conscripted. So he found a way to to uh, not go. Like he went to he. I think he was able to go through school, um, not not have to go because because he was in school. Uh, and then I think after that, he he decided that okay, well I'm going to go to Israel. That's where I, you know, that's my, that's my history, that's my religion, so I'm going to go there. So he was there for, for quite a while. And I think that's probably where he learned English. He learned English at, at, in Israel. That was the last language that he, he learned. And that's where he met my mom, in the, in the kibbutz, in, the, in, the, in Israel. In, I guess in the, what would it have been, would it have been mid-60s. That was a thing to do, I guess. It was a thing to do to go to to, to go to to go to a kibbutz. So, so there's a there's a there's a there's a many many uh, traditions like in, in in my dad for sure. My mom is Danish from 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 Denmark. My dad, I, I, he, he was always curious about. He he delved into a lot into history later on. So he, he was always interested. Okay, where's the Spanish from? Like. Uh, so I, I think at one point Spain kicked out a lot of Jews from from Spain, and I guess a, a bunch of them, I guess they scattered, but but a lot of them, there's a bunch of a number of them went to Morocco because it was just across mm -hmm. across the strait. So and I get, and and it just stuck. They just they just kept kept speaking Spanish in, in, in the house and, and, he, and that was probably in the 1500s I guess. So they, my dad fought in the war of 67 in in, in, uh, in Israel and then they and then they came to Canada because my dad had he had at that point he had French and English and he was an accountant uh, so it was like you are a, and they, they wanted to move they, they sort of I mean not they were pregnant. They had my sister, who's three years older than me, and she. Uh, mm -hmm. So they had her. So they just said we're we're staying together. Um, 
a bit of fire and ice, but anyway, that's okay. <laughs> and uh, so they decided that, well, I, I, my dad didn't want to move to Denmark, and I don't think my mom really wanted to move to, to, the, to another, another country in, in Europe. So they said, well, let's, my dad really wanted to go to New York, I guess, because maybe in those times, maybe didn't, didn't really know about Canada so much. So, but they suggest move to Canada. You'll 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 have opportunity right away because because you have you have this professional degree and you speak French and you speak English, you're, you'll you'll be fine in the federal government of Canada. You'll have you'll do great. So I, I guess they thought about it and said, okay, let's let's do this. Let's let's go to uh, let's go to Canada. Let's go to this place in Canada. And my dad didn't like the cold. I'm sure he didn't he didn't like the cold so much coming from. Coming from Israel and Morocco, I'm mm -hmm. sure he didn't appreciate the winter so much. Um, my mom did; she liked them. Does still, um, but yeah, it was it was an interesting. Uh, it, it is an interesting history, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you learn your skill in carpentry from him, or was there someone who taught you that? Oh, that's. Uh, I th you know I don't don't really know I don't uh, my dad did <laughs> it, it, my dad did stuff for sure um, mm -hmm. I never did any, did any of it with him like I was probably I was too young at the mm -hmm. time like when when he was doing it uh, and it, it went and by doing it I mean just you know doing the basement of our of our houses and stuff like that I was really into Lego as a kid I I would <laughs> okay make Lego and stuff and like I would uh, and I would make my own things I'd like make my own vans and rigs and houses and stuff and like I would come up with all kinds of things trains that I had a little motorized Lego train this was rare at the time Lego was a little different this this was in the I don't know 80s I guess early 80s 70s early 80s it was different my my mom is from Denmark so she would go and get get the real stuff like from from Denmark from Legoland so she would I had all the, the interesting stuff. You, I mean, you you could get it in North America at the time, but it was it was limited. So I had like space Lego from from, and I had train sets which never even came over here. Lego train sets. So I I, I make these things and and make little villages and towns and stuff, and with the train and stuff like that, you know. And my space Lego, I would make different things where I would make a little sort of van with the thing, and or I'd make a an 18 wheeler a model 18 wheeler and stuff so and I would just make those things by myself they weren't like models that you that they had instructions to make I just made them myself and you know what and then I and when I was 14 I, I had always wanted a tree house I had always always wanted a tree house but we never really had a tree to, to, to make one in so then we moved to this place, this townhouse one time, and then, uh, and out the back, it backed onto this NCC Creek, and there was this huge tree. It was just a big, it was, on, it was just on the top of the crest of the valley going into the creek. This big tree, it must have been, I don't know, it must have been like four feet in diameter. It's a big maple tree. It just went straight up in one, one big trunk, and then it just opened up like a hand, like this, at about 25 feet above the ground. So I was like, and there were, and there were at some point somebody had put stairs up there, 
nailed in pieces of wood up the thing. But it was high, and I was like, oh, that's, that's high. So I said, all right, well, I'm going to do it. And I went, so I went up there and said, I'm going to make a treehouse right here, because it was really close to my house, too, to, to, to where I was living. So, so I'm going to make a treehouse here. And there was a lot of construction going around in the, in the neighborhood, so you know, I sneak a piece of wood here and there and built this treehouse. So, uh, or I built a platform first. So I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to build walls. I was like, oh, okay, I know how to build walls. You, you have a sole plate, or you have a piece here and a piece there and studs in between, and then you have some wall. Where I got that idea from, I don't know. I just, I just assumed everybody knew that. So, all right, okay, this is what you do, and put the wall, and put the wall, put the wall. And, I, and then I said, oh, I'm going to make a balcony right here. So I made a, I, this was the best part. Uh, it was so close to my house that I could have three 50-foot extension cords and power tools in the in the treehouse, and 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 it was great that you know my parents let me do it. So I had not big power tools, but it was a, an electric drill and a jigsaw. So I would haul, tie them to a rope, grow up the tree, pull up pull up the thing, and pull up the extension cords, and cut a hole in the wall. Built my balcony, so then I built a balcony, and then I looked around. I'm gonna build another balcony right there, so I built another. One. And I had a roof with little skylights as well. So, so it, it's, and I was 14. So it, it, it just, I don't know. I just have, I have an ability to just to look at something and I was, yeah, yeah, I know how to build that. I can, I can build that. I can do that. I can, oh yeah. And then I, I I've. Since I started doing it, I've figured out other things like some basic wiring, plumbing, some you know some of the more basic plumbing stuff. And I don't really know where I got it from, but there it is. And that's what I make. Mm -hmm. I make a, a fair bit of. I'm, I built my drums, for example, like these drums. I built them. I, I bought plywood and I. Really. Yeah. So I, 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 that's fascinating. I, maybe you didn't know that, but the, the, yeah, like all the drums I play, except for my snare drums, but but all the drums I play are drums that I've built. Uh, I built them about I don't know, twenty, almost twenty-five years ago. Now I built, I built all these drums. So I don't know. It's just, I just I, again, it's one of those things that I just I just assumed that everybody everybody knew how to do this stuff. <laughs> It's just like, oh, well, it turns out that n not, not, not as many people know how to do this stuff as I thought. Mm -hmm. uh, Rob Frain is a, is a terrific musician in town, and he was doing some renovations on his house. Uh, and I actually learned quite a bit there. Like he was, mm -hmm. you know, he, I, he probably recognized it in me that I said, oh, no, you, like you probably, you know how to build stuff. You know how to build. You just look at something and it's like, okay, yeah, um, you do this, 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 and this. So he would just mm -hmm. so okay, go do this. Okay, <laughs> so I would just do it, and it was great because because I learned a lot. I learned a lot about say like hanging doors, you know, on on door jams and putting in windows and things like that, putting up drywall, all all those types of things. Yeah. Hmm. You seem you strike me as a very intuitive uh, learner. Yes. Like with your music and other things. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. That's what makes mm -hmm. me, you know, I often think, should I, should I teach more? And, and I, I'd have to admit that, that I didn't necessarily learn that way. I, 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 took, I did take some weekly lessons and stuff, 
But they were really, and, and I did learn from them, but, but there are things that, that ne don't necessarily jive with, with how I like to learn and, and those types of weekly lessons. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, I, I, just, yeah. I just learned, I learned a lot about drums and like building drums. And, you know, I, I don't know, I, I think maybe the first thing I did when I got drums is I took them apart. How are they put together? <laughs> I put them back together. Okay, that's how they work. So, you know, so okay. uh, I'm that type of person, and you know, not, uh, visual as well. So all right, so how? Do, oh, all right, okay. Well, how do you make round things? So you know, and then I I, I built my own tools to, to make them, and it, it, it's just a sort of mm. thing that I just figured out how to do, and I, and I, I I I do a lot of my learning that way, just just figuring it out, and it was different. It, uh, this was this would have been in the I guess late 90s, so there was no internet or anything like that. But I knew that just, I knew that you could bend wood. I knew that um, either by steaming it or just soaking it. So that's what I did. Mm -hmm. Thanks, mom, for the bathtub. I <laughs> just cut wood and filled the bathtub and soaked up the soaked them soaked them in the bathtub for eight hours. You know, and then mm. and then I made made molds and got got special clamps and then for gluing I had special gluing jigs like a whole convex jig and a concave jig that would go around the outside of the drum and glue pieces together like that mm -hmm. so so there was again I thought nothing of it I thought oh yeah every, this is easy everybody can do this but <laughs> no apparently <laughs> so this is what I do and I'm and, and I make um that's that's it is my living basically in carpentry in carpentry I wish it was yeah. music mm -hmm. don't be wrong there's anybody out there who wants to hire me uh, we just recorded an album with the Atlantis Jazz Ensemble this past weekend and then uh, Megan's release is coming up on uh, Megan Jerome's release is coming up this Friday and then I have a, you know I have another gig I have another large group uh, it's uh, eight-piece band. It's called the Alouette Space Agency, and we have uh, that's our, that's a really interesting band because there's two drummers in that band. Uh, this organ. I was going to ask you about that. Okay, this mm -hmm. organ, uh, clavinet, and Rhodes, uh, and then two drummers, and then um, three saxophone players and a trombone player. So uh, it's and it's music that I'm writing for, for, for that. So that's really fun. It's really fun. The two drums is the two drums is great. I think it's a I think it's a really neat idea. And I'm trying to approach it as as a way you can approach things in a different way, like uh, the same tune in a different way. So I, I'm saying, okay, well, I'll approach it this way. You approach it this other way, and it'll be great. <laughs> like we'll, we'll, it's gonna end up. So for example, like I could, I mean, I guess you. you you just have to imagine. But if I'm playing, if I'm playing a groove like this, I could, on top of that, I could do this. As long as we're both playing it in time, it's going to sound this this large big fat groove of, of, of two different possible ways to do this. Uh, 
you could have like sticks and brushes. So like if you had that groove. Then, and then just that basic groove on top. So this trying to get those two different ideas to have a really thick drum set texture happening. Rather than drums and percussion, mm -hmm. um, two drummers, two drummers. Mm -hmm. Different sounds, different, different sort of, uh, I try to have, my kit is tuned a bit more, uh, probably a bit more rock, a bit more, Staccato and shorter in sound, and 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 I let Michelle have the have the more um, uh, open sounding, maybe higher pitched sounding uh, uh, drums, uh, and then and then I think it's I think it's working really nicely. Just having those two different approaches on the drum set to the music, I, I hear it I hear it crystal clear. <laughs> Some people are like, what are you? Yeah. But anyway, I, I think it's great. Plus, everybody in the band is is is. Uh, I've hired everybody in the band, or got everybody in the band that has a real s certain uh, th thing to what they do. Like Don, the organ player, he, his time is so good, and he he's generally the person who is doing the bass function in the band. But his time is so good, and his groove is so fantastic. It's like oh, he's just perfect, uh, perfect at that role. And Pierre has this real funky kind of clav clavinet thing going. Perfect for for, for mm -hmm. this. And then the horn players—they're all my f some my favorite horn players in, in Ottawa. They, and they just play in a certain way, but they all play different. Like uh, so, trombone is you know trombone is is the different one of the horns. But all the three saxophone players—they're all fantastic soloists, but they all sound different. They all have their own a really strong individual voice. And then and then um, Zach plays alto, and. Peter and Peter and John, they both play tenor and they both solo, but they sound completely different. So there's never like a competition, and they're a, and they've all both gone their separate ways and have their different influences and stuff, and they're really deep into those. So they never, it's never, they never sound the same. So if like if you, they can solo right next to each other, and it'll sound completely different. I heard a promotional track that you guys put oh, okay. on. Okay, sounds really great. I was curious because you, you've been involved with a lot of big, like bigger ensembles, right. which it must be fun as a drummer, but you also, like you um, have a company, Propeller Dance Company, mm -hmm. for many years, yep. Yep. which must be a totally different gig. And then also you have a solo drum project coming up, right? Uh, well, maybe. Yeah, I, I experiment really. with, that, with that stuff before. There's a lot of sounds that you can create on, on the drums. Some electronic ones as well, like if you have, a, like I have a certain way to, to mic the drums that I like to, to, to get a certain uh, sound. And it, there's other things, and definitely many, many other types of uh, resources that you can get on the, on the drum set. So, but what I wanted to do was, was to, make a, to make a, maybe a suite of some, of some kind, um, where, where the, where this, the the structure ends up driving the like the content is is not necessarily uh, obviously not note not note con, uh, content or harmony content but just structural content 
get into some, some song some song forms, you know, about, and build music on the drum set that way as a, as a solo as a solo instrument that way. I suggested like a, a, like a, maybe like a rondo form or something where I, you know there'd be something that you go away and you come back and you go away and come back and go away and come back, some something like that. Uh, yes, I was think I was thinking about that, and I might think about that again. Uh, generally, what happens f f for me is as I get really busy in the summer with with construction and and decks and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Uh, so there's almost you know there's the gigs that I play, and I try and practice f for the gigs that I do have. Uh, but then otherwise, the, the, like as far as writing and things like that go, a lot of that ends up falling by the wayside. But now, and now yeah. it's it's mid-November now, so I'm still working. But uh, there, there's there's an end coming. So there's so I'll be I'll be taking taking the winter off from construction. Uh, so that's gonna and my piano is now dried out, so it doesn't it's uh, it gets really humid down here in the in the in the summer, so that my piano starts sticking and everything like that. So it's it ends up not being playable. Now it's playable again because it's dry again, and uh, so I'm gonna get back into writing and writing and stuff like which I really enjoy doing. Because you you sit down at the piano, and it's like okay. Oh, this is a nice chord. Oh, that's that's a nice chord. These two together, all right. And then that that can, ends up being a springboard for for something. Maybe there's a third chord, mm. and then it goes that way. Oh, oh, but maybe there's the maybe there's this rhythm that I can vamp between these two chords, and then I might get that in my mind, and then I go to the drum set, so I keep those chords in mind, and there's oh this rhythm, this rhythm, those chords, there's my nucleus so of, of something, and then I start hmm. building out from that, you know, deconstructing and rebuilding and making a tune out, making tunes out of those types of things. Mm -hmm. And it's, sometimes it depends on in terms what I'm what I'm writing for. If it's if it's a large group or if it's if it's a small, more of a small trio type of thing. So, hmm. in terms of keeping in, in shape as a drummer, do you still do basic drills, or is the playing you do enough, like the gigs that you play? I still do them. You, you feel like basic ones. Yeah. Just basic, really, really basic mm -hmm. ones. Yet, and then also playing is important too. Like. Listening and listening and playing is is is, is really important too because you have to keep your ears and mm -hmm. there's this but you have to keep your ears in shape too. You you definitely have to spend some when you're learning you definitely have to spend some time doing those things. But now I I, I know those things so so it's a question of getting my ears and and my hands working together. Sometimes if I if I haven't yeah. been playing in a while, there can be a disconnect there. And what's nice is that, you know, when you're in a nice practice mode, it's like the more you listen, the more you're going to get here by not even necessarily practicing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, that's a wonderful place to be at. Actually, we were talking about uh, approximating hand percussion. That would be, that would be an, a sort of an example of something. So this is the... That's shakers, and this might be more like a
approximate a, a different thing. But it's drum set, right? So you can, it's, there's so many different, 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 different things that you can do on a drum set. It's a really, really, and I think still evolving instrument about, uh, and, and how people, yeah. how people play it. Uh, well, one, uh, one of the interesting things is, is uh, there's a lot of machine beats, like uh, beats that uh, producers will make at, uh, on drum machines. And, um, mm -hmm. and then drummers try and learn those. So I'm playing like eighth notes here, but they're mm -hmm. behind. They're by a by a sixteenth yeah. by a sixteenth note or something. Yeah. Rather than Right, so that's more yeah. machines would have come up with that. But it's like, that's got a certain, you know, certain thing to it. And then it's like, what do they sound like? It's like, oh, well, that's, that's really interesting. And then, and then you learn those rhythms and then you go do something else with them. You know, it's kind of neat. Mm -hmm. That's a so, yeah. beautiful, big, uh, big world of, of sound color. You know, it, uh, the drum set really reminds me of like primary colors from these three colors. You can get all the colors. and it's... That's right. But the... Drums, if, if there's something wrong in the drums, people, you people, everyone knows. Or if the vocal is wrong, it's like, oh, everybody knows. It's like, oh. The stuff in the middle, it's, it, it's, it ends up not being as offensive when those things go wrong <laughs> <laughs> as, as drums do. Well, on that note, I'd, I'd like to thank you so much for your, your time oh, today and all the welcome. really Thanks cool demos. Me. Thanks for having yeah. me. Did did you want to finish off with a short solo just to put it all together or Awesome, thank you. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. Well it was thanks for having me on, on the on the on the show. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Mike Asudri and hopefully got some new insights into drumming. I have featured a couple of different drummers and percussionists in past episodes and many jazz artists, and I continue to have in-depth conversations with a wide variety of musicians worldwide, playing in different styles and following different paths with inspiring and unique stories from their lives. <laughs>